One night I dreamt I marched within the phalanx. We were advancing across a plain to meet the foe. Terror froze my heart. My fellow warriors strode all around me, in front, behind, to all sides. They were all me, myself old, myself young. I became even more terrified, as if I were coming apart into pieces. Then all began to sing, all the me's, all the myself's. As their voices rose in sweet concord, all fear fled my heart. I woke with a still breast and knew this was a dream straight from God. I understood then that it was the glue that made the phalanx great, the unseen glue that bound it together. I realized that all the drill and discipline you Spartans loved to pound into each other's skulls were really not to inculcate skill or art, but only to produce this glue. Medden laughed. And what glue have you dissolved? Suicide? That finally allows your jaws to flap with such unscanation immoderation? Suicide grinned across the fire. Medden was the one, it was said, who had originally given the Scythian his nickname, when he, guiltily of murder in his country, had fled to Sparta, where he asked again and again for death. When I first came to Lake Daemon, and they called me suicide, I hated it. But in time I came to see its wisdom, unintentional as it was. For what can be more noble than to slay oneself? Not literally, not with a blade in the guts, but to extinguish the selfish self within, that part which looks only to its own preservation, to save its own skin. That I saw was the victory you Spartans had gained over yourselves. That was the glue. It was what you had learned, and it made me say, made me stay to learn it too. When a warrior fights not for himself but for his brothers, when his most passionately sought goal is neither glory nor his own life's preservation, but to spend his substance for them, his comrades, not to abandon them, not to prove unworthy of them, then his heart truly has achieved contempt for death. And with that he transcends himself, and his actions touch the sublime. This is why the true warrior cannot speak of battle to save his brothers who have been there with him. This truth is too holy, too sacred for words. I myself would not presume to give it speech. Save here now with you. <coughs> and that is an excerpt from Gates of Fire mm-hmm. by Stephen Pressfield. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, and he did... Okay. Wow, very nice. Yes, those are some... Uh, it's a lot right there in that passage. The book is filled. You, you see all the dog ears mm-hmm. and on the back. So this is the, the holy copy of Gates of Fire that the students and I created. Mm-hmm. And we would write okay. in the back, so you know, what page yeah, and, and then underlined. That's great. Yeah. So our plan was to break it up like the Bible and have verse... And you'd say, according to chapter four, yeah, <laughs> verse three. I could totally see that. That's a great index. It's such a good book. So let's let's uh, talk about. Well, where, where should we start? I'll let you start. What's up, Dirty Cones? What's up, Dirty Cones? How are you guys doing? Well, I figured since I talk so much that if we let you read, nice. your voice is much nicer, <laughs> you know, than mine. So, three seventy-eight. So that was uh, page three seventy-eight, three seventy-nine. Yeah. And uh, suicide is uh, a Scythian mm-hmm. that committed crime in another co- in his country, okay. and then came to Lakdaman, mm-hmm. and he, and he was so ashamed of himself he wanted to die, so he kept asking people to kill him. Oh, okay. And and then when he got into battle, they used so he was suicidal for life, and he was trying to get killed, but he was willing to do anything for it. Mm-hmm. So he learned to live up for his name, 
and to him, you know, like he said, he to slay the self, to not have me matter, because yep. I don't matter, right? Right? It's like buddy breathing. Yeah. I want you to live more than I want to live, and you want me to live more than I than you want to live. Yeah. Therefore, together we will have no weakness, and we both live. <clears throat> and so, and that's a that's towards the the end when they're they're all about to die. <laughs> Bad. It's getting bad. Yeah. And and this guy never talks. Oh, okay. And so they're like, what's huh? up? You know, but it's a powerful night because there's a lot of other, uh, like, the opposite of fear. Uh, there's a lot of good questions answered. And I always, I always, uh, so open up to the first page and there's a, a quote. Not, well, not the first page, but the first page of the... Maybe you missed it. Maybe you missed it. Let's see. We'll keep talking until I find it. We'll keep talking. There. This one? No. One no. more. One more. We go straight to book one. Okay, never mind. Okay, we'll come back to it. <laughs> wait, oh, wait. One more. Hmm. Oh. Should I refer to the index? Yeah, if you look up shade. Shade. Let's see here. <clears throat> shade. This is very handy. Into, in the shade? In the shade. 254. Look at this. This is great. It's like a Bible reference. <laughs> That's what I'm just saying. Just go on back. Okay. Uh, then we will have our battle in the shade. Yep. Okay. Let's see. Should I start right here? Yeah, we're the... Uh, not far up here, but the most fearsome. Right here should do it. The rumor mongers. Okay. The rumor mongers' eyes burned with pleasure. He turned to my master as if to savor the flame of dread. His tail had ignited even in Sparta, Spartan. To his disappointment, Denikis regarded him with a cool, almost bored detachment. Good, he says. So you, More? Yeah. Well, so basically, he says so that this um, merchant uh-huh. of Trachis is telling him how the multitude of arrows that will fly from the um, from the Persians are so much that they're said to blot out the sun. Oh. And his response was, good, then we'll have our battle in the shade. Oh, wow. <clears throat> and Dionicus, he, uh, he's like, he, oh, how do I, he's just a beautiful human being. Like, uh-huh. he, he's quiet, uh-huh. he's stoic, um, he's fighting for his family, he's, uh, he's a good person who's, like, trying to keep his world safe. Um, just his the the way he leads, you know. He's like, you should never let your men let see you prone on the ground. Right. Um, you should never let them see you in weakness. You should always lead from the front. You should like all these good um, NCO leadership skills. And he, and he doesn't. He could be higher, but he, he says that he can't count that high. So he wants to stay where he's at at the unit level. You know where he's got like. 15 guys yeah. versus the more rank then he's got too many right. so uh, he recognizes his limits you know uh, maybe strengths you know um, he would be the guy that you'd want to be in charge because he doesn't want to be in charge you know yeah. but he'll do the right thing every time yeah. and so he is the the mentor of the story working with uh, these two young guys and finds himself at Thermopylae 
and so he, I think he's, so uh, Stephen Pressfield's uh, books are usually told from like a, a backwards perspective, like you're, you're in a predicament right now, so right now the guy, uh, Zionese, is captured by the Persians, okay. and he, the, uh, the king of Persia wants to know who are these Spartans, who are these men that this amount of dudes took out three times my dudes like what what kind of people are they what are their schools like what is their lives like so he tells him like his story and then gives him you know all the the agoge and all this stuff like where it all came from and what was going on so it's a history book they're all history books uh, but disguised as a novel you know was there a Zionese probably not but for the most part the story is historically accurate um he also did that with a book called um the virtues of war which was about alexander the great and in that book he's able to slide uh, socrates in oh really yeah and um and then there's an all kinds of books about the persian wars there's there's one so there's uh the virtues of war that covers all of alexander's life and then he has the afghan campaign that only covered his battle or his war in Afghanistan. Wow. Which was horrible. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. But you see all that he had to go through to win, you know, recognizing that nobody's won. In fact, yesterday was the 20th, 30th anniversary of the um, Soviet invasion. No, 40th. 40th anniversary of the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. 40? 40. Wow. 1979. Yeah, wow. And then they left in 89. Oh, wow. But yesterday was the invasion day oh yesterday being the 27th yeah (laughs) just get people like what day is he talking (laughs) yesterday was Columbus Day what (laughs) um so yeah Virtues of War okay um really really good and Stephen Prescott also wrote The War of Art which, which is all about whatever you do in your life is your art you know um to me I always thought rescuing people was my art but surfing waves is also my art but does anything to do with water is my art but but I guess you could be multi artist yeah Yeah. so that's right but um yeah it's your everything if you approach everything like a martial art like you're a professional Uh um 10,000 hour rule just meaning to a lot of it and and then you can be an artist so shoot Bob Dylan Picasso you know anyway <clears throat> so what else did they say the glue right there's there's another passage in the book that talks about uh, an eight-nighter so they were up they weren't allowed to drink they were drill 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 get a little nap drill 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 not allowed to eat much and on the last day or two nobody's laughing nobody's making jokes or everybody's just but they're getting through, and it's that glue, right. you know, not wanting to let the dude next to you down, yeah. not wanting to let your country down, yeah. uh, your family, you know, it's not about you, because if I'm serving you, it's not about me, yeah. and and that's where you got to get to in training, yeah. the, the water doesn't hate you, the underwater doesn't suck, 
it's you that sucks. Mm-hmm. The water is fine. Yeah. Water is the source of life. Right. <laughs> so as a lifeguard, I was taught that you're not there for the people. You're there to guard the water. To protect the water from stupid people. Wow. <laughs> that's a full-time job. But I mean, wow, what that's... a great idea. We don't want people thinking bad about water. No. So Don't blame the water. Don't blame the water. Water's innocent. Water's innocent. <laughs> yeah, no, you're coming into the water. The water's not coming into you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little respect for yeah, the Yeah, just a little respect for the water. Yeah. <laughs> but I, when they said that, I was like, wow. And, and you know why? Because a lifeguard has hours and hours of time to sit there and ponder <laughs> uh, your place and existence in the universe and what exactly it is you're doing. Yeah. But I loved being a lifeguard at um, uh, Inland, uh-huh. especially when somebody was like a good surfer. Yeah. Because then I was getting paid to watch somebody surf. You're just watching. Just watching oh, somebody yeah, surf. Yeah. I mean, I'm paying attention. I'm watching my whole area, but I get to see. Sh- sh- oh, ow! Yeah. You know. So that made oh, for a very good, and it also made me. You know, I was able to study the waves more. Right. Where was the best takeoff spot? Where did it slump out? Where did it peak up? Where did it wall up? How fast did you need to be? Where did you need to be? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And and I definitely think that learning to ride an inland wave like that uh, or the wake of a boat because it's the exact opposite of surfing. So learning to do the exact opposite of what you've been doing, you know, <clears throat> learning to shoot left-handed when you're right-handed. Yeah. <clears throat> Learning to uh, put a tourniquet on with yeah. your left hand, or whatever hand Write is your, name your, good hand. With your other hand. All the the tasks and things that maybe you might need to do, or have to do, or be comfortable with adapting, shifting, changing weight. Because you know, on so on a surfboard in the ocean, generally your weight's on your back foot, <clears throat> but on a wake wave, your weight is on your front foot, and it's all um, front rail. And which is the exact opposite, <laughs> but learning to do that, <clears throat> I think, helped along with like neurobiofeedback, uh-huh. like just training the brain to do something different. Yeah. And which is why I think so. To to catch a surfing wave, you have to paddle. Pros paddle maybe like three times and they're into it. There are people that know how to pa- no paddle and just dive the board and um, really? yeah you can just catch the wave I do it every once in a while that board that we had at Makaha that really heavy one yeah. I could do it with because it was heavy enough that I could you, you use the board you yeah you put it down okay. and then when you let it pop up the wave's right there and you just, and you just ride into it wow. huh. um, but it's pretty hard yeah and <clears throat> so when I paddle like I'm paddling paddle paddle paddle, paddle, paddle. like it's Explosive and fast and, and a lot. Yeah. Um, not a graceful paddler. I'm a power paddler. Um, they're, they're pros. You can do it in three strokes. I've seen them. They just know right exactly where to be. Oh, right. And, and, you know, and then for them, a no paddle takeoff is nothing. Right. <clears throat> because they just, they, they just know how to do it. Uh, yeah. So, um, they was a paddling effort. Different. Oh, right. So that's for me why it makes it so funny, and I laugh every time I catch a wave behind a boat. Every time. It it brings this 
It's like unbelievable. It's unbelievable yeah. because it's so easy. You just have to stand up. All you have to do is stand up. Yeah. That's it. That's it. There's, it's all technique. Yeah. And it blows my mind <laughs> every time. Yeah. I laugh. Yeah. And and it's pure joy. Yep. Yep. Even though it's behind a boat. Yeah. Even though it's behind a boat. <laughs> Still up on a board on a wave. So, once again, Mr. Slater, I implore you, implore you, uh, San Antonio needs a wave pool, and please make your wave pool affordable for, you know. You could save a generation of people by this. Yeah, especially in Texas. Oh, especially here. And then you give someone something to do. Oh, my gosh. World peace. World peace, we'll help you. We'll be here. All we need is wave pools everywhere. That's it. It'd be like Johnny Appleseed. And then think how much more people will be like, dude, that Slater guy. Look what he did for surfing. Surfing took him out of Florida. Yes. (laughs) So he's not sleeping with his sister anymore. Right. You know. He is on the up. He is on the up. (laughs) So congratulations on the Triple Crown. And please help Dave Nuewa. And the surfing community. The glue. The glue. The glue. Because it's it's all about all of us. It is. Can't be separate. No. So we will we will we'll finish with it's, it's like um, there was a um, Nietzsche sentence, and I think uh, the guy spent forty five minutes on the one sentence. Wow. <laughs> Which I've, I've seen people do like one word in the Bible and, just, and 20 minutes later. Uh, Rob Bell does a really good uh, what is the Bible and who are we reading about or something. He's got a, some good books. I liked his take on uh-huh. the what one word meant. Yeah. Well, because, yeah, well, we won't go there. Yeah. Because well, in anything. In anything. Yeah, yeah. English, Spanish, mm-hmm. Greek, Cantonese, mm-hmm. no word translates, Mm-mm. and you're like, well, it means this, but I don't know how to say this in your language, but it really means, you know, people are like, hmm. Yeah. So, Gates Fire, Stephen Pressfield, mm-hmm. also did a really good book, uh, The Legend of Bagger Vance, oh, which okay. was a movie, was. and the book was really good, too. The book got even deeper. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... So thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Um, who ya? Who ya?